invite you to remain standing through the reading of Scripture this morning as we hear this day out of Hebrews chapter 3. We read verses 1 through 6. Hebrews 3, we hear 1 through 6. Therefore, brothers and sisters, holy partners in a heavenly calling, consider that Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Yet Jesus is worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that would be spoken later. Christ, however, was faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if we hold firm the confidence and the pride that belong to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. How many of you like to use certain brands of items? Yeah. I like my Jif peanut butter. When they had that recall not long ago, I was checking my jar and, and saying, oh, please, Lord, let there not be a shortage. Because Peter Pan just can't cut it, amen? There's just certain brands of things that I like. Can anybody testify? <laughs> There's certain products of certain brands that I like. I'm going to go on a limb here, and I know this may not be the most popular one. But I am a New Orleans Saints guy through and through. Yes, yes thank you. Cowboys fans, you can stick it today. Uh, <laughs> I hope Cody Maroney's not listening to this. I'll, get, I'll hear about it later. I am lo I've been a loyal Saints fan. Through everything. Through the bags on the head from the Aints to the 2009 Super Bowl. I have been a loyal Saints fan. Anybody else? Maybe not them, but maybe there's a certain team, maybe there's a certain um, brand that no matter the product, no matter what they've put out, no matter what's happened, through the thick and the thin, you have remained loyal to that brand. So here's the question, that what's the difference between product loyalty and brand loyalty? Because there is a difference. Are you ready? Brand loyalty is, as you would think, it's when you stay with a certain brand, a certain team, a certain maker, a certain many, whatever the case may be, through it all. As Andre Crouch wrote, through it all. Okay, that's all the singing you get out of me today. <clears throat> through everything. They're threatening to turn my mic off in the back, so. <laughs> the ups and downs, you remain with the brand. Product loyalty 
on the other hand, is when you're only with a brand because of a certain product. You are a Saints fan when they're good, but when they're not, you are now a Cowboys fan. If you're a Cowboys fan, you've had to... <laughs> Never mind. <clears throat> you're, you're, you're with a certain maker or a certain producer while they're doing something in a way that you like, but as soon as they stop, you jump ship. You do something different and you go a different way. You're in it for the product, not the brand. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. amen. All right. Now we got those definitions straight. A little bit of background on the book of Hebrews. This is an interesting book in our Bible, and it's because uh, we don't know exactly who the author was, but we know the author was of Jewish origin. Um, and it was written as a sermon to the Hebrew people. So it's meant to be read as a sermon would be delivered or preached, okay? Um, and it is, has particular emphasis on those struggling in a newfound faith in Jesus. So if you or someone you know is struggling with their faith and are new to the faith, Hebrews is a great book to read. Hebrews offers a reaffirmation during a troubling time that Jesus is still the right path, Jesus is still the right answer, even though he's no longer physically present with them. Remember, uh, two Sundays ago, we celebrated Ascension Sunday, the Sunday in which Jesus literally and figuratively ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. Last week we celebrated Pentecost, the day in which the Holy Spirit was gifted by God. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God in this world because Jesus could no longer be physically present. The Holy Spirit is the embodiment of God in this world, in all of our hearts, and in the very wind and air that we feel. Are you with me again this morning? And so today, we, uh, the, the book of Hebrews is a reaffirmation during troubling times that no, even though Jesus is no longer physically present, His teachings and that of the Spirit that follows come from God and have the sufficiency and the superiority in which Jesus taught with. It's saying Jesus was authentic. Jesus was the true Jesus, what he said, you can believe it, you can ascribe to it, you can live by it, and you can bet your life on it. That's what Hebrews is trying to say. That's what this whole book is about. And so this morning, we see a couple of different images of Jesus uh, being used here. And it's being used to explain the relationship of Jesus to believers. The first one we see in Hebrews 3 is the image of Jesus as an apostle. You know what the word apostle means? Simply put, the definition of apostle means one cent. We typically accredit Paul with the title apostle. Paul was one who was sent into the world. And so the, 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 the name, the image, the title apostle simply means one cent. And this is the one and the only occurrence in all of Scripture where Jesus is referred to as an apostle. Okay, The hearers of this 
Hebrew sermon, if you will, they would have, have, they would have understood this reference of apostle um, because it was often used as the term uh, for the men who were sent out by the high priest on behalf of the temple. Whether that be to collect taxes, whether that be to check on, on things, the apostles were the names of the people sent out by the high priest to be with the people. You, you, you see where we're going with that? Are you with me? Say amen. It was also what they started calling the disciples, and it's also what they called Paul, the Apostle Paul, the apostles of the, the 12 original disciples as they were sent out by Jesus. They were sent out to do what? To go into the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This image of Jesus is very specific in this context because the author was trying to convey the message to the people in a way they could understand. He was speaking their lingo. Okay, He, he, was, he was talking to them in a way they could understand. It's like talking to teenagers nowadays. You got to speak on their level. That works at all ages, though, doesn't it? <laughs> you have to be able to understand and communicate with the people who you're trying to reach, who you're trying to love, who you're trying to send grace to. Otherwise, they will never understand what you're trying to say. They understood the apostles as being the most important and highest human authority figures of the Christian faith. Okay? And they when they spoke, when they taught, when they showed up, you stopped what you were doing, you sat down, you shut up, and you listened. <clears throat> kind of like what Roy gets to do every Sunday with me. I get an hour of his attention. Boy, I'm doing pretty good. <clears throat> when the apostles showed up, you listened. And the people knew that. So to call Jesus this meant that he was being referred to as the highest alongside the highest human authorities of the Christian faith. Are you still with me? The author is trying to tell us something else, too. The author is telling us that Jesus was also sent. But not just by anybody. Jesus was an apostle of God's word. Jesus was a messenger of God's grace. Jesus was sent, but by God and God's self. Jesus was sent by God in order to plead God's cause with us. You know, this designation as apostle also does something else. It, it represents the humanity of Jesus' nature. We are reminded that Jesus was 100% human. He experienced our pain, our emotions, our uh, uh, torture, our death. But you know what? 
this, th this image of Jesus also was given here because although Jesus was 100% human, guess who else Jesus was and is? Jesus is 100% divine. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus not only experienced all of our emotions, he conquered them. Despite, in spite, and because of the cross. Jesus was 100% human, but Jesus was 100% divine. And so we also have the image added as that of high priest. Did you hear that in the scripture this morning? The apostle and high priest of our faith. The high priest was the most respected Jewish religious leader and ultimate authority in the church. The high priest was the senior pastor of all senior pastors. Okay? It was the boss to the bishop to the bishop to the bishop. You know, you go all the way up the ladder and as, as high on the... On the, on, on the religious ladder, metaphorically, as you could go, that was the high priest. And so, it was believed, keep in mind, at this point, it was believed that it was only through the priest that humanity was able to communicate with God. Okay? That was still a belief that it was only through priests that humanity could communicate with God. The priests led the prayers. They, they led worship. They were ordained by God to bring the needs of the people to God. But why refer to Jesus as high priest? Because Jesus did all of this. Jesus still does all this on our behalf. But Jesus did one better. The image of Jesus as high priest is saying that it is through Jesus that we come to the Father. It is through Jesus that we experience the parenthood of God. It is through Jesus that we come to know God. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father, except through me. Through Jesus, we come to know God as the Father. So as apostle, Jesus came delivering God's message to the people. As high priest, Jesus didn't just bring the needs of the people, uh, uh, of the people to God. Jesus brought the people themselves to God. And you know what? Jesus is still bringing people to God today. Jesus was the most, listen to this, Jesus was the most unexplainable, explainable figure of all time. Did you catch that? Jesus was the most unexplainable, explainable being who ever walked the earth. He came not only bearing God's message, he was God's message. 
In the next part of the scripture, the author had to try and clarify just how important this message was he was trying to convey. That is why we have the reference here to Moses, okay? Who was Moses? Moses was used as the example here because all the Jewish people would have known who Moses was, right? Moses was the father of Judaism. Moses was accredited with writing the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Uh, Moses was the one who went up to Mount Sinai to receive the law from God directly to bring it to the people. It is through Moses that they were there in the first place. Moses was a very, very important figure in the life of Jews. You understand? Are you with me? Even today, we know who Moses is. We've heard his stories. We, uh, even if you don't know who Moses is, you know who Moses is. <laughs> he was an apostle sent by God to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And it was through him as the prophet that God gave the law, as we talked about. Moses' work was an illustration of the truths that God would reveal later. Moses' work was an illustration of the truths that God will reveal later. As God in the flesh, here's what the scripture and the writer of Hebrews is trying to deliver. Now we know who Moses is. Now this is just how important Jesus is. As God in the flesh, Jesus is worth even more honor than Moses was. Can you feel the chins hitting the floor that were present that day? Because Moses was not somebody you messed with. Moses was just shy of deity in their day. And the author is saying... This Jesus is even greater than Moses. This language transformation is, is, uh, that we see moving from describe, is, moving, is describing a, a Jesus as builder of the house to God as builder of the house that follows the language about Moses. This language is affirmation of the divinity of Jesus. It affirms that Jesus is in fact 100% God in the flesh as he was claiming to be. Moses was a servant of God. A builder in God's house. But as the scripture says today, Jesus is over God's house, not just in God's house. Are you with me this morning? That deserves an amen. Jesus as God built, created everything and everyone, and we are all created in the image of God. So what the author is trying to say to the people, why settle for the servant when you can have the creator? When you can have the redeemer? When you can have the sanctifier of our faith? Why would you settle for watching the saints if you had the chance to own the saints? 
make sense, right? Why settle for buying Jif if you can buy the company? Are you with me? Say amen. amen. All right, I've pounded that one enough. Why settle for Moses when you can have Jesus? Moses was the product. Jesus, God through Jesus, is the brand. goes on to, to, to mention uh, God's house. He uses the language of God's house. And, and, and God's house, is, the Greek word is oikos. And, and, and it's just, a, in the Greek, the word house here means family. Family. It is the people of God. It is the church. Not, 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 not the walls. Not the pews. Not even the pastor. But the people who together are believers. You are the church. You are God's family. Because of Jesus. Listen to this. I want to reread the scripture today. And I want to replace... Um, Family. Every, every place that says the word house, we're going to replace the word family. I want you to hear what it says. You ready for this? Therefore, brothers and sisters, holy partners in a heavenly calling, consider that Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all of God's family. Yet Jesus is worthy of more than Moses, just as the builder of a family is of more honor than the family itself. Hello? For every family is built by someone, but the builder of all things, including the family, is God. Get it now? God's house and God's family, the church, it's one and the same. Now, we end on the word pride. How many of us have been taught that the word pride is a bad word in the life of the church. Well, when used correctly as it's used here, pride is something good. The Greek word is kochima. Everybody say kochima. Now you can speak Greek. The word pride, when used as kochima, means this. It means a sincere boast, but in a manner that is a sincere rejoicing. Okay? To have pride means to rejoice sincerely, in essence. Those who are part of God's household become so through faith in Jesus. And we can rejoice in knowing that together we are all part of the family of God. Christ is the one who makes our salvation secure. Not any person in particular, not, not any physical location or building or, or name on the outside or whatever the case may be. God is the one who secures the family called the church. Someone say amen. Christ makes our salvation secure. However, that salvation comes with a solemn responsibility to, to keep up our courage 
and to remain confident in our hope in Christ. Those who profess Christ ought to demonstrate true faith. Do you agree? Those who proclaim faith in Christ ought to demonstrate faith in Christ. Hello? God had required faithfulness from the great leader, Moses, and even required it out of Jesus, the Son himself. All of God's people, his household, the brothers and sisters of Christ, all of us, we must remain faithful. And we must not remain faithful to one person, to one, to one building, to one name on the building. We must remain faithful to God. And only to God. Folks, Christ lives in believers. Christ dwells in each of us by way of the Holy Spirit. Christ is the one that helps us remain courageous. Christ is the one that helps us remain faithful. All the way from the great leader Moses to Jesus himself. Listen to this. If you hear nothing else today, listen to this. We are not saved by being steadfast and firm in our faith. We are not saved by simply remaining steadfast and firm in our faith. It is God who saves us. But our courage and hope reveals that our faith is very real. Did you catch that? Folks, it's not our steadfast faith that saves us. God is the one who does the saving. But our steadfast faith reveals and our courage, it reveals that our faith is in fact real. That salvation is real. That Jesus is alive and well and nothing, no, no one will ever take that away. Without this enduring faithfulness, we could easily be blown away by the winds of temptation and the things of this world. We are called to claim our lives and our place in the family of God, to remain faithful to the family of God through all things. And we do so by placing our firm trust and joy not in a person, a preacher, a building, a community, we do it by placing it in Jesus. It helps to surround yourself with great people. It helps to surround yourself with a community that is loving. It helps to have a place where you can come together for that. But it is not all of this that is your faith. Your faith is in Jesus. the messengers, the preachers, the servants of God, the structure, it will all change. The product will change. But the brand stays the same. The message stays the same. The message 
is faith in Jesus. Folks, it doesn't matter who is up here preaching this message to you. The message doesn't change. That's what I wanted you to hear today. Jesus, through God, is the builder of this house. Regardless of who is in it. We are God's family. Jesus is the builder. Jesus is the message. And that is all that is necessary for salvation. So here's the question. Are you here today simply for the product? Are you here following a servant? Are you here because you just like the other people who you're surrounded with? Are you here just because of someone in the pew next to you? Are you, <laughs> I'll say it, are you here just because of the preacher? Folks, if you are, you're here for the wrong reasons. We are called to be here for one reason. That is Jesus. That is the gospel message. Why are we here? Who are we here for? May it only be for Jesus. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.